guys. Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick. And on today's episode, we have Kleena Griffin, the founder of Born Free Birthing and Houston Placenta Services. Kleena is a certified and experienced hypnobirthing educator, master trainer, and faculty member of the Hypnobirthing Institute. And she is proudly Houston, Texas's first APPA triple certified placenta encapsulation specialist, providing professional placenta encapsulation services from Houston's only freestanding commercial grade placenta preparation kitchen. Kleena hails from Ireland, but currently lives in Kingwood, Texas with her husband of 13 years and their three beautiful daughters. She is a dedicated educator and placenta encapsulation specialist and loves to help families have joyful and empowering births and a healthy postpartum experiences. Today, we are going to chat with Kleena about placentas. I personally feel that not enough women know what the placenta is, what it does, and what options they have after it has detached from the woman's uterus. Kleena is extremely knowledgeable when it comes to placentas, so we knew she would be the perfect person to answer our questions and shed some light on this important and undervalued organ. So let's dive in. Hi, Kleena. Hi, Nina. (laughs) Thank you so much again for joining us today on our podcast, Chick Chat. Oh, you are very, very welcome. So excited to be back. Thanks so much. Yes. Well, last time our listeners, if they heard our last podcast episode together, we talked about hypnobirthing. And today we're going to be chatting about placentas. Now, placentas, they can be a really intimidating organ to a person who's like (laughs) never seen one or who doesn't know much about them. But in my opinion, they just really don't get enough credit for all the work they do. I also feel that women aren't told what they can do with them other than discarding it and the other options after the baby is born. So let's start at the very beginning. Kleena, what is a placenta and what does it do? A placenta is an organ that is formed soon after conception. Its main purpose is to facilitate the life of the wee baby. So your baby is going to need loads of different nutrients and oxygen and hormones and all kinds of amazing components to thrive and survive in the womb. Now, they can't just do that swimming around all by themselves in there. So they're going to need a wee bit of help. And that help comes in the form of the placenta. So everything the baby needs goes from the birthing person into the placenta. Then it gets filtered through the umbilical cord. Now, in the umbilical cord, there's three vessels. All of those nutrients, those hormones, oxygenated blood, all that kind of good stuff gets passed through the baby. The baby then takes whatever the baby needs And whatever the baby doesn't need, excess, whether it's waste, whatever it might be, gets passed back through the umbilical cord, back through the placenta, and then the birthing person excretes it themselves. So it is literally a facilitator organ. Wow. Isn't isn't it incredible that it's so cool. we, women <laughs> create this whole new organ? Like we grow not only a baby, but like a whole new organ. Yeah. Like who else can do that? No one. No, absolutely <laughs> not, not. Only women. It's pretty incredible. So now we want to know, after the baby is born, it's has it served its purpose? What is the purpose of the placenta like after birth? What can you do with it? 
Yeah. So after the baby is born and the baby has kind of acknowledged that they're on the other side, the mother has acknowledged, okay, the baby is is birthed, everything is going well. The placenta simply unsuckers itself from the uterus and the baby is now breathing by themselves independently. The placenta is birthed with a few surges or contractions. So some people will ask, you know, how long will it take for the placenta to be birthed? It can take two minutes, it can take 22 minutes, it can take an hour. The real question is how patient is your care provider in facilitating um, a gentle release of the placenta? And so once the placenta comes out, usually the umbilical cord is cut and now hi-ho silver, off we go and we're having a lovely postpartum. Some facilities will throw the placenta away or they'll donate it to a stem cell research bank or they'll donate it to a burns unit in a, in a, in a, either in that facility or in a different facility it can be sold off. Many clients will just simply wish to keep their placenta for consumption, for burial, for religious reasons, for personal reasons, to discard by them for themselves. There's a few uses, a few medical, very, very important medical uses for a placenta, and then some really, really lovely, um, more holistic uses that the birthing family can take advantage of themselves without going through the medical um, route. I love that. So can you explain to us what the benefits are to each of those options, why someone might choose burial or encapsulation or tinctures or whatever, all of the different options? What are what, Why would someone choose those options? So for personal consumption, a mother might decide to just hang on to the placenta for fear that they may be susceptible to postpartum depression. Maybe they've had it in a previous pregnancy. Maybe they've had a friend. Maybe this is their first baby and they've had a friend who's had postpartum depression and they just don't want to to roll that dice. Now, placenta is not a guarantee against postpartum depression, first and foremost, but by golly, it has shown to really, really curb postpartum blues, which manifests into postpartum depression, anxiety, um, postpartum, uh, lots of postpartum uh, disorders. And so personal consumption is one of the ways some birthing families might decide to help with that. It can also help with uh, postpartum bleeding, uterus going back to its own size again or its original size, moods, energy levels. Um, Some people report really good hair growth, nail growth, um, better sleep just overall balancing. And there's like you like you asked, there's lots of ways to do that. So through encapsulation, through some people do smoothies, some people will make tinctures. The differences are tincture, for example, would be a small alcohol bottle. So, well, it depends on, on the specialist, I suppose, making it. But um, generally, it's a small bottle of really, really high proof alcohol and a very small sliver of the placenta, sometimes the membranes and sometimes a bit of the cord as well, depends on the specialist. And the idea behind the tincture is that over time, the essence, the, the nutrients, the hormones, the benefits from that small, small sliver of placenta gets infused in this alcohol. And a birthing person or a mother or even as they navigate life, they will take these drops And that will help balance them just as they were balanced in their immediate postpartum with their capsules. So tincture is a really, really fabulous way of just elongating the benefits of the placenta because we know postpartum lasts for up to a year in a new mother. The gone are the days with this whole six-week malarkey, you know, we're supposed to bounce back after six weeks. It's the biggest disservice that we're doing to our women. It can last up to a year. 
but life doesn't <laughs> life doesn't end after a year you know now you're dealing with a toddler your monthly periods are coming back more regular you're busier maybe you're returning to work you're still hormonal life still continues on and our stressors are only amplified our our lives are only busier the the, the more we move on and your tincture will last you till menopause so it'll go through all of those years you can have for 20 30 40 years yeah and again it goes back to that really really high proof alcohol so it has to be the right type of alcohol to be able to last through those years so yeah i highly recommend tincture they're fabulous oh that's fantastic so why would someone bury the placenta do you know uh, why people do that yeah, it's a cultural, yeah, it's a cultural belief. So in the, um, the Aboriginal, uh, Aboriginal, excuse me, um, people in Australia, the Maori people of New Zealand, um, they would historically have buried their placenta. It is a ceremony that would include the immediate family, maybe some very close friends who were um, a part of the pregnancy and birth experience. And it is just a symbolic way of returning the placenta to Mother Earth. So we're returning the gift of the placenta, usually a tree or a fruit tree or a, a bush of some major significance to the family, to the area, to the tribe, would have been planted over the placenta. And this particular plant would have just been so bountiful in the many years afterwards that the fruit of the tree that was planted over the placenta that was returned to Earth. It's a very spiritual belief system. It's beautiful. Much like a lotus birth as well, where the placenta and stays attached to the wee baby, it is believed that the placenta would be known as you know the invisible friend of the womb. We know we've seen scans of babies cuddling up to the placenta, stroking the placenta, playing with the umbilical cord, wrapping the umbilical cord around their hands. And then after the nine months in the womb, the baby has to say farewell. But through the lotus birth, the baby gets to dictate the separation at the belly button and gets to have a, a farewell kind of time with the placenta before it gets released. This is fascinating. I'm so glad that you're telling us these stories. For something that I just thought of, whenever I do talk about placentas with some people just on the internet, there will be people who will be like, well, that's cannibalism. Yeah. Or why would I ever eat that? And also like, whenever women say, oh, it really helps me with my hormones and postpartum depression. And they say, actually, it's a filter and you're only eating all of the bad things that... Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. They say, <laughs> favorite they, thing to hear. <laughs> I can answer like, that. Well, that's a filter. So, so why are you eating all of the waste that the child uh, is not taking? So how would you answer to those responses of being yeah. <laughs> cannibalism and... <laughs> and um, oh, you're eating basically the filter of what babies, the baby's waste. Yeah. So it's not cannibalism because <laughs> I believe kind of the definition of cannibalism is eating flesh. Now, placenta is not flesh, it's an organ. Right. So um, much like liver, um, lungs, the tongue of a cow, like, I mean, we eat lots of parts of different animals, right? But this isn't actual proper flesh. We're not slicing a piece of flesh off someone's arm and eating it. 
Second of all, what do I say to the person? Oh gosh, you said it there. Oh, the filter. The filter. So, oh, yeah. wouldn't it be so nice if the placenta was a filter? Like <laughs> that would be the dream because then you could smoke and then you could drink and then you could eat all the sushi and then you could take all the meds for your sinus infections, for your migraines, for whatever ailments that you have. We could it could be carte blanche if it was a filter because the logic is by having it as a filter or by thinking it's a filter, all the bad stuff is stopped and the good stuff gets to the baby. Well, no, it's not a filter. If you think of a filter in your home that collects dust mites and all that kind of stuff, you change out the filter. It's a facilitator. This is why we can't smoke and drink and eat crazy foods that would be, you know, not safe for pregnancy, you know, going to gas station and getting your sushi at three o'clock in the morning you know (laughs) right because it doesn't stop the bad stuff the stuff everything still gets through to the baby that's why we have to be careful with medications in pregnancy because it still gets through to the baby now yes to counter what i just said yes some toxins do get built up in the placenta some metals do get built up in the placenta we know this but it's trace amounts and we consume more of those metals in our daily diets than we find in the placenta after nine months so yeah the filter thing people who say it's gross that's to each their own. I see those comments on social media as well. And some people just don't understand it. And in one sense, lucky them because they've never had to understand it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They've never had to worry about, maybe, I don't know, but maybe they've never had to worry about postpartum depression or being a solo parent while your husband has worked nights and you're going to be up 24 hours a day and need energy. Maybe they've never worried about bleeding excessively or clotting at postpartum. And so they don't have to understand it like the average new mother. So it's to each their own. I respectfully understand that not everyone has to get this and that's okay too. Right. But we're hoping that by listening to this conversation, it will at least open people's minds a little bit more just to understand it. And if it's still not for you, that's totally okay. But don't bash the people it is for. Right. You know what I mean? Like I agree. we're, We're women supporting women here. And not all our choices are going to be the same choices we would make personally. But at the end of the day, we're all the very same. We all need support. We all need somebody in our in our camp saying, you know, go for it. I don't have a clue what you're doing. I don't understand it. I think it's absolutely <laughs> whatever. But I'm here to support you. and I'm going to keep my mouth zipped because I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to be mean to you in your most vulnerable time. Or I'm going to educate myself on what you're doing. So then that way I can understand (laughs) it a bit more. And even if I still think it's bonkers, that's okay. (laughs) I'm going to keep my mouth closed. I'm still going to be a good support to friend, neighbor, sister, whatever, colleague. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Here, here to that. I like that. <laughs> now, Kleena, has there, are there ever any placentas? Cause I'm now thinking like filter, you know, that people say, are there ever any placentas that you look at and you're just like, you know what? We can't use this. This is just a, a no, we have to discard this one. Yes. And it just happened to me about six months ago. I'm coming up close to between 800 and a thousand placentas now. And It just happened that a placenta got released from a facility 
and the facility coated the placenta in iodine for some <gasps> for some reason. Oh no. And that's completely unsafe for consumption. So unfortunately the placenta did have to get discarded. So usually if there's a if there's something happening at birth, if there's a maternal fever or a baby fever, that's not from an epidural. If there's something big and scary that pops up, a demise of the baby or really a sick baby at birth, certain um, bloodborne issues, HIV, AIDS, something like that, the hospital will not release the placenta. So we're in COVID times now. So if a, if a birthing person has COVID right now in birth, the hospital are not going to release the placenta. So usually I just won't get the placenta. Apart from that one incident just recently in the past six months, no, most of the placentas I do, or all the placentas I do receive are perfectly fine to work on. They all tell a story. I can tell a manual extraction. I can tell an emergency cesarean. I can tell uh, an excited care provider. I can tell a rushed birth. I can tell a water birth. I can tell a home birth. It is incredible what a placenta can tell me the second I unfold it. For wow. sure. Yeah. It's incredible that you can see or tell all of those mm-hmm. things just by looking at a woman's placenta. Placenta is a huge storyteller. Placenta, if you pay attention, the more you work on them and the more you figure them out, the more they tell you. And wow. sometimes I'll text the client or I'll, I'll, when I'm dropping off, I'll say, hey, how was the birth? Did A, B or C happen? Oh my gosh, how do you know? Like I can guess the weight of a baby minus two or three pounds off on each side. Usually I'm fairly accurate at this point of guessing the weight of the baby from the weight of the placenta, from the, the, the size of the placenta, not necessarily the weight, but the size of the placenta. Incredible. Wow. So Kleena, now this is just such a different and unique thing to get involved in. How did you stumble upon this career and why did you decide to become a placenta encapsulation specialist? Yeah. So when I had my first child, to be honest, I wasn't educated at all. I didn't do much prep. And her birth was while it was textbook. It was fine. I pushed her out and everything was grand. I knew, funnily enough, to ask my doctor, my OB, to have a wee look at the placenta. I just wanted to see it out of just curiosity. And she held it up and she just said, oh, it looks really, really good. The membranes are really healthy. And she went through it very, very kindly and quickly. And then it was gone. And I remember my husband saying to me, gosh, why did you want to see that? That's so strange. I nearly passed out. And I said, I don't know. Something told me, something told me to ask because the health of the placenta, I remember reading the health of the placenta determines the health of the baby. And I just wanted to know the placenta was healthy. So the baby would be healthy. That was my logic, right? Like seconds after the birth. But my postpartum didn't go well. Postpartum depression immediately set in, immediately, within within minutes, a cloud had come over me. And that cloud sadly stayed for some time afterwards. My healing was absolutely brutal. My breast milk, what my, my breastfeeding journey was devastating. And it was just it was just a really, really sad end to the most beautiful, happy, joyful pregnancy that I got to experience. And I was just sad. I was sad because I didn't want this for myself. And I started looking up ways to have a better postpartum. Placenta encapsulation just kept popping up. And I, I'm a professionally trained chef in the past. And I love, I know this sounds going to sound so crazy, but I love butchery and I love fishmongery. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the idea of like working with an organ or anything raw and bloody doesn't, doesn't like, make me nervous at all. 
And I just thought to myself, okay, I'm just going to investigate this a bit more. And the more I investigated it and the more I kind of went through different specialists and looked up certifications and I found the right person for me, I decided, okay, I'm actually going to do this. And so I did it. My postpartum, uh, statistically, you are at a 50% chance, a higher chance of having postpartum depression if you've experienced it in a previous postpartum. So my chances were even higher now of having it again and more serious, sorry, and more serious depression. And I just was not willing to take that chance. So my logic was, look, I'll spend the couple hundred bucks on these capsules. Either I use them and they work, yay, or I tuck them in the back of the freezer and never need them, yay. So either way, I was going to have an insurance policy for my postpartum. As it turned out in my postpartum, we were being relocated again from Illinois down to Texas. I was essentially a single mother with two very small children while my husband commuted back and forth every week. I should have been a basket case. I should have been in the wars trying to sell a house in Illinois by myself with two kids to move back down. And it was the happiest I have ever been. Every time I would take a capsule, I would notice an energy rise. My breast milk production was just bountiful, really, really beautiful. My whole journey was lovely. And I just, I remember calling the OB office specifically to speak to my nurse. And I I begged her, would you please, please, please tell the rest of the patients about this? Because they have to know, they have to know. And so I decided to get professionally trained I was going to do this properly. I was going to get all my certifications. I was going to become a placenta nerd. And here I am now, many, many years later, and many, many placentas later, helping so many lovely families um, have hopefully better postpartum healings. Yes. How amazing. That is such a cool story. How wonderful that that was really helpful for you for your second pregnancy. You have three daughters. So yeah. did you, I'm assuming you also did it with your third. Did you also have that uh, experience? Yeah. And I really needed it with my third because <laughs> she was, she threw us for a loop. Like the other two were amazing sleepers. The other two were like super chill little babies and then our third was the party animal so yeah I'd find myself you know taking drops of my tincture at 11 o'clock at night because I knew I was gonna be up till five o'clock in the morning and I just had to steady myself because that's what it does it just calms you steadies you yeah I needed it we didn't get our first full night's sleep for like a year and a half I think about a year year and a half we didn't get our first full night's sleep plus I was working full-time seven days a week, I needed to heal. I needed to recover faster than had I not gone back to work and working like a crazy woman. So yeah, I definitely did it. And I'm still pulling. I have five tinctures from my last two pregnancies. (laughs) So especially during COVID because, you know, I miss home. I haven't been home in a couple of years now at this point. And it's just, it's been so hard. So yeah, my good old tincture, there's days where it just stays beside the kettle because... It's a cup of tea or it's my tincture, one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, now for people who are listening, Kleena, and they're like, okay, well, this might sound like something for me. I know that there are different methods when it comes to encapsulation. Can you talk to us about those? Yeah. So there's a few ways you can go about it. So basically 
placenta encapsulation, the, the term placenta encapsulation is whereby the placenta is taken and it is processed into small capsules. So they're no bigger than a prenatal vitamin. There's no big, huge smell issue if they're prepared properly and stored properly. They smell no different than if you're opening a jar of your prenatal vitamins. So if that smell like perturbs you, I will say to my clients, you know, open the jar, step back for a couple of seconds, go get your glass of water, the smell will be gone when you come back, it takes two seconds, then pop your happy pills. And so that's the term placenta encapsulation. So that's the actual capsules. There's a couple of ways to go about it. There's the raw method of encapsulation and the traditional uh, method of encapsulation. So the traditional or the Chinese method, it's otherwise known as, I refer to it and I practice the traditional method because the Chinese method, you do need to be a Chinese doctor, a doctor of Chinese medicine to authentically call yourself or to call it Chinese method because otherwise you're just misrepresenting yourself and you're doing a disservice to the thousands and thousands of years of Chinese medicine. The traditional method is whereby the placenta is cleaned, inspected, and steamed before it's dehydrated. So it's steamed with usually a lemon, ginger, and a jalapeno, or a hot pepper of some capacity in the steaming water. And so it is believed by putting these elements into the water in the, in the steamer, that it is reintroducing a grounding, detoxifying and warming effect back into the birthing person that may have been lost in birth. So there's a couple of advantages to this method and a couple of disadvantages, as there would be with absolutely anything. So a few advantages of the traditional method is it will give a birthing person or a postpartum person a slower, steadier release of hormones. So they might not notice they're balancing for maybe, you know, an hour to an hour and a half, give or take. Now, every person's going to be different. That's not a standard um, time frame, but just an example. They might, it might take them a little bit longer to notice the effect over the capsule. It'll be a steadier release. So what you get on the offset will probably be what you're going to be getting for the next few hours. This is lovely for people who do have hormonal issues. So if they had postpartum depression before, if they are quite moody or jumpy or hormonal in their monthly periods, for example, this would be a preferred method. Now, the downfall to the traditional method is it's a slower release. So if you have, you know, your little kiddos going absolutely bad crazy at four o'clock, dinner time, bath time, bedtime routine is about to kick in, your nerves are frayed, you know you're going to be nursing, you know them, you, you, you need to kind of steady yourself a wee bit more and you've got to wait a little bit longer for the release to come into the body. And also steaming will definitely cause considerable shrinkage to the placenta. So you could be down a decent amount of capsules. So if you're starting out with a small placenta, already, then you're probably going to be having a few, uh, a smaller amount of uh, finished capsules. So that's your traditional method or the Chinese method. The raw method is whereby the placenta is cleaned, it is inspected, and it's sliced really, really, really thinly for dehydration. I can't remember if I said it was going to be dehydrated with the traditional. It's still dehydrated with the traditional. I may have forgotten to say that. Um, it's just steamed first. With the raw, there's no steaming. It's sliced really, really, really thinly into the dehydrator. And then once it, the time is up, it's ground into capsules. So 
a well-trained placenta encapsulation specialist will know to dehydrate at food safe temperatures, which is 160 degrees Fahrenheit um, for a minimum 18 to 24 hours, depending on the training organization. But that is um, that's standard for the organization I'm with. The capsules are then jarred and off they go. So with the raw method, it's a faster release of hormones, a more sort of a, it packs a punch. It's, it's, it's a good, strong hormone that gets to you because it's completely been on almost apart from the dehydration it's been unaltered right since purest form almost and you'll get far more capsules with the raw method now the downfall to the raw method is it is a stronger capsule so if you're an over easily overstimulated person if you don't drink coffee because it overstimulates you even chocolate for some people can overstimulate them then it's going to cause a, an overstimulation of your system the traditional method might be preferred what other drawback can I think of? Just the overstimulation. But that can be really, really easily remedied as well because, well, it can cause headaches and uh, and stuff, but you just simply tone back the amount of capsules you're taking. So if you're taking you know, four to six capsules a day, then maybe just take one to two because that many is too many for your system. Because they are your hormones. You get to play around. It's not a prescription. You don't have to finish the jar if you don't want to. You can play around there's there's lots of room for for figuring it out for yourself so that brings me to my next question with each placenta i know every placenta is different different sizes how many pills can you expect to get from your placenta when you send it off and you get it back from your your specialist so first of all, depends on the method of encapsulation. So the method that's that's chosen, a standard kind of, you know, seven and a half pound baby, eight pound baby, raw method might give anywhere from 120 to 160 capsules. Okay. And what about the traditional? If it was traditional, it could be anywhere from 70 to 90. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now saying that, it's 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 quite funny because I'll do a traditional placenta and I'll still get 120 capsules because the placenta itself was that large. Right. And then as regards a twin placenta, I have worked on bigger singleton placentas than I have twin placentas. So while you might think twin placenta score, yay, I'm going to have jars and jars of capsules. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Oh, okay. And what do you say to women when they ask, how often should I be taking these? What's too many? What's too few? What is your recommendation? So for my clients, I recommend starting out the bat with six capsules a day. So two capsules, three times a day. You don't have to take them with meals, but I, the, the nice way to remember them is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My suggestion to my families, um, based on pure and utter feedback, I started saying it a couple of years ago to my clients and I've continued on based on the feedback I'm getting. When I drop the capsules off, I'll say to the mother, you know, take two now, hop into bed, get a few hours sleep, maybe two or three hours sleep if you can, if there's somebody to help with the baby, you'll wake up a lot more energized and a lot more balanced. That level of exhaustion, that core exhaustion that you might be feeling might have alleviated itself and then start fresh the next day. So that's starting out for two weeks because think of what's just happened. The placenta has left the body. So your hormones are almost battling to go back to the way they were. Or, and there's a certain hormone battling for dominance and there's a real big, really big imbalance happening. So we want those hormones and those nutrients back into the body as soon as we can. After two weeks, we see most of our mothers are nicely balanced again. 
and then they can go down to one or two a day as needed. So what's too many? My organization will say no more than six a day and as few as one a day as well is perfectly fine. So you don't have to finish the jar. Um, I would always err on the side of, I'll tell my clients, you know, if your capsules have balanced you beautifully by the end of your second, third, fourth week, and you still have half a jar left or a third of a jar left, just tuck them away in the back of your freezer. They'll last for up to nine months to a year in a deep freezer. The stresses don't go away after you're finished taking your capsules when you're rebalanced. Dip into them throughout that year mother's day if you're going back to work if there's a holiday christmas christmas is bedlam for most women if you have other children that are going to school or coming home from school in cold and flu season there's a stressor there if you're stopping nursing when you get your first period there's loads of hormonal ups and downs so don't forget you have your capsules that's good to know so for someone who is hearing all of this and they're like okay I think that this might be a good fit for me. Where can someone find a quality encapsulation specialist? So this is an unregulated industry, meaning that my lovely husband, I think I might have said this to you before, Nina, my lovely husband, the amazing hunter that he is, ethically hunter, or ethically hunts, he could call himself a placenta encapsulation specialist tomorrow and off he goes. So It's really, really imperative that as a care provider, as a birthing family, that you do look for somebody who is experienced, who is trained, who does carry certifications such as food handler certifications, OSHA training, bloodborne pathogen training, ideally an organization that stands behind them as well. So I am trained through the Association of Placenta Preparation Arts or APA, A-P-P-A. And if you're looking for somebody, we are a global organization, so you can go to the Association of Placenta Preparation Arts. There's loads of really good organizations out there as well that are really, really thorough that you can give a Google. You can always ask the specialist. So if if they don't have a certification, because some birth workers who simply believe they don't need a certification, that's perfectly fine too. There's some really, really important questions that you can ask them, such as what is your bleach to water ratio? They should know that. What methods are have they installed in their practice to prevent cross-contamination? What type of parchment paper do they use? Um, do they use any parchment paper to line their dehydrator trays? What single-use equipment do they use? What's their turnaround time? It shouldn't be more than 48 to 72 hours, um, even for the busiest specialist in the world. What's their PPE gear? What's Will they let you tour their facility, whether it's a domestic home or it's a freestanding commercial-grade kitchen? Are they comfortable with you coming through their facility? Will they send the client a photograph of them in their full uniform ready to start? So these are all very, very simple questions to ask your specialist. I mean, we ask these of our care providers, don't we? We ask them tough questions. Why not ask somebody the same questions that would be handling an organ that you are going to consume? Valid. Do your homework. Valid points. Bravo on that. And as you mentioned, you have a freestanding kitchen. Can you explain to us why that was important to you? Because you're right. A lot of placenta encapsulation specialists that I know do this in their home, in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. And tell us why you decided to to open the first, actually, freestanding kitchen here in Houston for mm-hmm. placenta encapsulation. 
Yeah, so I was I was working from my kitchen as well, my domestic kitchen, and it was just so much work, Nina, because to do it properly, you have to strip the kitchen. Like, just think of a brand newly installed kitchen. There's no knives on the countertop. There's no scrubber brushes beside the sink. You are literally stripping the kitchen, to, the whole kitchen, to its complete and utter bare bones, chucks padding it, drop clothing it. it it's just so, so labor intensive. And I was doing placentas at, at a higher scale and um, a higher um, uh, yeah, higher scale than, than the average placenta specialist here in Houston. And I just thought to myself, you know what, if I'm, if I'm going to do this really, really effectively, if I'm going to do it in a good time management manner, professionally, if I'm going to be taken seriously in, in my industry and respected amongst the care providers who are already referring their patients to me, I'm going to have to do something better here. And so, yeah, I did. I built an actual freestanding commercial grade placenta encapsulation kitchen with NSF stainless steel products, FRP paneling and industrial ventilation system, everything that a commercial grade kitchen should have. Now, like I said, I do come from a chefing background. I'm fairly up to speed on professional kitchens, but it's just such an, a lovely way to go to work. You know, it's, it's a lovely, lovely unit to go into work every single day. And my clients love knowing that only I have access to this kitchen, that there's no curious grandmas or there's no curious anything going around. So, yeah, now that's not to say there's not other specialists doing a really good job in their domestic kitchens, because I know there are. So it's up to the client to decide, you know, what's important for them. Fantastic. That's, yeah, good points. Okay, so what you said, APPA is a great resource. Are there any other resources um, that you recommend families look into? I would suggest really, really good postpartum. Are you talking postpartum resources? Are you talking? Yeah, anything uh, regarding, it can be placenta encapsulation, but it can be postpartum, anything in this time period. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as well as organizations for placenta encapsulation, look into other organizations for your postpartum recovery. So for example, sit down with your partner and ask your partner, hey, listen, where where are we going to go with this? got two options here. We can heal and thrive and grow as a, a new family, or we can, you know, so just wing it and see how it goes. Now, plan B is not, you, you're not going to, you don't want to wing your postpartum. So look into postpartum doulas, look into chiropractic care, look into acupuncture, pelvic floor therapy. I will say it over and over and over again till I'm blue, have to make an appointment with a, a really good pelvic floor specialist really start investing in your postpartum health, just like you are in your pregnancy. Postpartum is the most neglected part of a woman's life. If our partner was to go into hospital and have an operation on their kidney, they would have so much more recovery. They'd have so much more physio. There'd be more appointments for that, for the healing of that kidney or that whatever it is than a, a, a new mother has when an organ has left her body, a human has left her body, she's bleeding, she's exhausted, she's leaking milk from her breasts, whether or not she wants to breastfeed. And there's just so much more to a postpartum. So we need to start, we need to start buckling down and really helping our families navigate this time. Now it starts with the family. You've got to take ownership. This is your postpartum. And it starts as a team. So you sit down with the person who's going to be supporting you the most, whether it's the partner, it's a, a mother, a sister, whoever it is, and you make a firm plan for a good six weeks to two months after the birth. Make sure you're not cooking unnecessary meals. Invite people who are only going to help you in, in the home. Kick out ob observers and spectators, useless baby holders that just want to gawk. 
You know, you want somebody to hold the baby while you sleep, while you shower, <laughs> while while you cook. Like it's okay to want to cook a meal as long as you can do it in a free mind and not have to worry about the baby. So invite those type of people into your home. Follow the baby chick. You have amazing resources on postpartum. You, you've been nailing it, Nina. You've been nailing it. Thank you so much, Kleena. We, I, again, meeting other women like you who are providing such amazing services to, to <laughs> families is just inspiring. So we we absolutely love it. And Kleena, those are, were really all of my, my questions. Do you have any final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners? Yeah, if you're on the fence, if you're curious about placenta encapsulation and you just don't know if it's for you, if you don't know where to start, just do a simple Google or speak to your care provider and see if they know of a specialist and give that specialist a phone call. You know, you can learn so much from a phone call. There's many times I'll get an inquiry through email and I'll just know, okay, I'm, I'm, this is a phone call. I can't answer this on email. It won't serve the person to the same level um, if I reply on email. And just chat. Ask all the questions. We're birth workers. There's nothing off limits. There's nothing that's too TMI or nothing that's going to make us scratch our heads. It'll only spur us on to learn more if, if you ask us a question we don't know the answer to. But if you have a concern, if you're if you're curious about the, the process itself, the safety of the process, the um, the the benefits of the of the capsules or the tinctures or whatever it is you're you're ordering, just speak to your specialist. You should have a specialist that is easily obtainable, that operates under really really good circumstances and situations, and that is fully transparent, fully fully transparent, a hundred percent. Your postpartum healing is so, so important that the person you're hiring should know that to their core and should want a good healing postpartum for you to their core. And if they're not, then they're just not the right one for you. Move on. You'll find one. I couldn't agree more. Uh, okay yeah I mean I think that's all I can yeah no that's that's all I can I mean just go for it shoot for the stars when it comes to your postpartum you deserve it like I know there's a commercial like uh, I deserve it or I'm because I'm worth it or whatever it is but (laughs) it's because we do deserve it like we're birthing humans here and even if we're not birthing and we're receiving the human through surrogacy or whatever it is, we're still going through the newborn stage. We're still going through the hormonal change. We're still starting a new role in our life. We should do it with such support. So go after what it is you want. You know, Be the diva that doesn't settle. Because you look back in 20 or 30 years time and you'll be so proud of yourself. You really, really will. You'll be so glad you did. It's so true. I couldn't agree more. Kleena, where can our listeners find you? If they hear all of this and they're like, oh, I just love her. Where can they uh, find you? (laughs) Assuming they didn't like clock out after the first 10 seconds. Oh, her voice. (laughs) No. (laughs) So you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram as Born Free Birthing. That's my main social media. I'm also Houston Placenta Services. So HoustonPlacentaServices.com and Facebook as well. Fantastic. Ah. 
Fantastic. Thank you for your time, Kleena. This was a lot of great information about placentas and placenta encapsulation, uh, such an important organ that I, again, don't think is discussed enough. And this episode should really get some people thinking more about what they will do with their afterbirth. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and answer my questions. You're welcome. Thanks so much. It was so much fun, Nina. You know, I could talk about the placenta all day. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we knew you were the perfect guest, Kleena. I love it. And you guys, our listeners out there, to learn more about Kleena and her services, as she said, you can visit her on Instagram at Born Free Birthing, as well as her website, HoustonPlacentaServices.com for more. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments of your own that you would like to share about what you did with your placenta and your experience, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave an honest review. Thank you.